For the first time since its founding 31 years ago, the Ethnic Ballet Company has been invited to perform at the prestigious Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. this year. The increasing plea for racial equality across the country has led organizations like the Kennedy Center to recognize that our communities needed actions to reflect a commitment to African-American lives and the lives of other undeserved groups. Joining me now is Ethnics co-founder, choreographer, and dancer Nina Gilreath with more on this significant upcoming appearance and what it means for her and for the push for diversity. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Now, um, tell us about this historic upcoming performance at the Kennedy Center. Um, let us know the details on when it is and what it's all about and um, the significance of it to the company for you. Wow, that's a big asking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, the dates are June 14th through the 19th, so it's coming up pretty rapidly. The significance for Ethnic is that in our 32-year history, this will be the first time for us to take our company to the Kennedy Center. Early on as young dancers, both Waverly and I, the other co-founder and my husband, we danced at the Kennedy Center as part of Dance Theater of Harlem. And it was one of my first tours that I danced in Firebird as a monster. So it's the beginning <laughs> of my dance career with Dance Theater of Harlem. So the significance is here we are 32 years later, we're going to take our own company. And then all three of the companies that will be represented in reframing the narrative of ballet are descendants of Dance Theater of Harlem during oh, the time. Wow. And, yeah, during the time in which Arthur Mitchell, the co-founder of Dance Theater of Harlem. We all worked with him. Mm -hmm. So historically, that's amazing. And for us to really continue to live the dream that Mr. Mitchell had and that legacy, and we are all sprinkles of the work that he started in 68 when um, he started the company because of the death of Martin Luther King. So mm -hmm. we're very proud to continue his legacy. And we're in various years of development. Ethnic is 32 years old. Mm -hmm. So I know that before Mr. Mitchell passed away, he came to Atlanta to work with Ethnic and our students. And he was really amazed at the work that we were able to carry forward. And he expressed his pride in the work that Waverly and I were doing with our company in Atlanta. So. Yes, what a huge milestone and just, just phenomenal history there that is, as you said, you know, very little known and it's getting more awareness. So we're very excited about that. Now, you just said that your company is 32 years old. Um, tell us more about the company and um, how has it impacted you over the years, um, the link between your prior work and the work that you do now with students. Wow, it's, it's been an evolution for, for me because I always wanted to do something that had meaning. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've always been a dancer. So from the time I was a young girl, I always danced. Um, it was the best way that I could express myself was through movement. So before I had formal training, I was always choreographing dances in my basement and 
putting little shows together. Um, and mostly my brother would assist me. My sister didn't help as much. And then <laughs> with my friends, if you wanted to be my friend, you had to dance or at least entertain my <laughs> thoughts of dancing. So when I was growing up, there was not really any black ballerinas on TV. I, I always watch everything about dance on TV. Um, and I just didn't see ever anybody that looked like me. So it was like that long desire to see that this existed. And I'm from a small town in North Carolina. So people just didn't dream of becoming ballerinas, right? And it was not, I didn't see it. So once I started my formal training, I attended the North Carolina School of the Arts and I finished all my training there. I started dance later too. I started as a teenager formally. So from that, I saw the Dance Theater of Harlem eventually. And when I saw that company, that's when I knew that that was the dream company for me because I saw everything that I desired to be on that stage, every shade, every color, every body type. It was beautiful. It was magnificent. So I auditioned in Atlanta and danced there for three years and then eventually wanted to move back to the South. And when I moved back to the South, Waverly came with me to help me move. We weren't married yet. We were dating. And we both joined the Atlanta Ballet. And when we were there, we saw that there was work to be done in the metropolitan Atlanta area because there was not a professional ballet company. There were schools and people were doing some amazing pioneering work with young black students, but there wasn't anything that was professional so that you could go all the way through and be paid. So that became what we didn't really set out to do it. We tried to get Lewis Johnson, the choreographer of The Wiz, to start the company. But he said he was too old. So anyway, it fell into our hands. And that's been our life's work. That's just a a phenomenal story um, of how you were led to do that. And like you said, it fell in your hands, but it fell in the right hands. Because look at you all now. You're headed to the Kennedy Center which is just an awesome thing. Um, Tell us about how that came about. Like how did the whole um, journey to the Kennedy Center, how did that happen for you? Well, I think there was just some work of God in hand and that the idea was probably churning for a long time. So Denise Saunders, who is the former president and CEO of the International Association of Blacks in Dance, she talked with Teresa Howard, who we danced with at one point at Dance Theater of Harlem, who she founded Memoirs of Blacks in Ballet. So they presented the idea to the Kennedy Center to curate this distinctive program that shows all the different ways in which ballet is being expressed through the United States. So from that, we got the invitation We have been leading, you know, the force of Black ballet in the South for many years. So for 30 years, 32 years, we're doing it. And then Collage Dance Collective, they're in Memphis, Tennessee. They started it, I think, almost, well, I think 13 years. So they're the newer ones on the block. And then, of course, Dance Theater of Harlem. So as people that are leading this charge, they thought it would just be a brilliant idea to bring this together so people at the esteemed Kennedy Center, those audiences, could see that there is more to ballet than they think, than just the larger white companies. 
So we were so excited because what we do is we take the traditional form of ballet and we've always put our own spin onto ballet using the African-American culture, the African dance concepts, so that it's not just ballet like our name sounds, ballet and ethnic. It's got a whole variety of movement interlaced within that. So that's been our praxis or our study for all of the decades that we started, partly because we wanted to move a certain way where it felt comfortable to us and it paid homage to our ancestral heritage, you know, how we dance at cookouts, how we dance as a people, as Black people. I wanted to be able to express that with ballet along with the other classicism. So that has been the journey that Waverly and I have really walked through. And we were able to get other people to get on this path because people that would come to our shows, they would say, well, I don't normally like ballet, but I like that kind of ballet. (laughs) So it became our signature our purpose. And in spite of the naysayers, we just really owned our blackness within the realm. Powerful, very powerful. Um, Now, speaking of powerful, and you putting your own unique spin on everything on how you present ballet to, um, like you said, just not um, just not only communities, but to the world. Um, This rising in the awareness of social justice, which we know has been going on, but now it's just now um, starting to come more and more into the spotlight. Um, Tell us how is your dance company connecting the link between um, social justice and incorporating that into your routines and your dance and your trainings? What's really wonderful through this struggle, because I think about when we started Ethnic the 32 years ago, we didn't really realize that we had audacity to start our own dance revolution, which has been a rippling effect. Mm-hmm. Because when we started, people were always discouraging us from other communities because we were at the Atlanta Ballet. So people were like, you're at the top of the food chain. Why can't you just be satisfied and stay put, stay where you Mm. are? What's wrong with you guys? Mm. Why do you want to get out there and do something different? But we knew that there was an impact to be made. And we felt that if we wanted to do something a certain way, to dance a certain way, to express ourselves a certain way, there must be others. So we set on this path from early on, we always made our ballets culturally relevant We didn't just assimilate. We started Urban Nutcracker early on before there were other cultural specific ballets. We changed the characters and the names to reflect people in our community. We interviewed the well-to-do black people in the community of Atlanta to create the storyline about blacks in the forties when they were really doing great work and they were high society so that we could inform and educate our students that it's not just dance, it's the history of dance, it's the history of communities. So we made that all relevant and we just didn't even realize that we were pushing against a system. We always fought for equality. So Mm -hmm. as a young couple, people would always give the money to Waverly 
So, and I'm the one who took care of the money. So that was a way that we were educating and informing. We can be young, black, smart, take care of business, take care of money. So we were always pushing against what people thought were the societal norms. And then we embraced all body types always. We used to take a lot of heat because in our ballets, we had every size from teeny tiny to larger size men, women, grownups. The age didn't matter. We built a community of the very young and the very old because we always said, if you live long enough, you're going to be very young. And if you continue to live and thrive, you're going to get to be very old. So we wanted all representation all the time to be on the stage. And then so as the George Floyd racial reckoning happened mm -hmm. and people began to hear, to listen, we just continued to speak more loudly. We've been speaking all along, but it feels as if now suddenly people can hear what we've known all along. So now we're able to walk in some doors more easily because some people feel guilty and they're providing funding. And some people feel like it's the right time, it's about time. So I think we're just in a world now where the window is open, but you know, with mm -hmm. all windows, they don't stay open. Right. So we're just taking advantage of the opportunities that are being afforded in this moment. Absolutely. And with you having that range, um, in age and, um, as you said, you know, backgrounds and sizes and everything, you, you can definitely show that this is something that's been going on for a long time. You know, it's just more awareness being brought to it. So you can definitely connect, you know, like you said, the younger generation to the history mm -hmm. and then, you know, have the um, as I like to say, seasoned saints, <laughs> yeah. be, connect be connected to the experiences of what our young people are um, going through today, you know, emotionally by seeing these images and, and, you know, seeing these stories that come about. So just a wonderful blend of the work that you all are doing and bringing that more and more to the forefront. And like you said, have done for decades. So definitely appreciate you for that. Um, now we're going to We've got to talk about the pandemic right now. Um, we know the, the pandemic impacted a lot of businesses, a lot of companies, um, especially those who serve communities and, you know, serve um, different people. Tell us, how did you survive during the pandemic? And especially when so many theaters were forced to shut down and people were staying home, how did you guys survive that? Wow. Well, we've always been resilient, and I think we were blessed by God to just have a lot of fortitude and a lot of persistence mm -hmm. in our genes. Both Waverly and I come from blue-collar working-class families, so we've always respected the nobility of hanging in there and working hard and being honest and having a great level of integrity. So you think about when obstacles hit, you have to show your very best during the very worst times. So I think luckily for us, we were already making a shift in how we were doing things. We had um, attracted a funder, the, the Chestnut Family Foundation. They had started to look at us for the work that we were doing with young people and as a husband and wife team. They really respected that. And because they had 
really committed to pouring into us. We had a good foundation to move through the pandemic, as well as some other funding sources that came through. We were already looking at how to shift our business model and to be more efficient with technology because we, we're older. We didn't come up through all the computer and all of that. So we were already learning and taking classes and moving our small staff forward, and that helped us. And then we wanted to film a great deal of our past ballets because we were already talking about legacy and how do we pass on the legacy. Mm -hmm. So slowing down a bit from being out in the community gave us the opportunity to shift our focus a bit. So that's how we took advantage of that. And we were able to work on things more digitally and share. We were able to live stream and to learn those types of things and to really just grow our infrastructure. And we worked through the whole pandemic. We were able to partner with a couple of organizations like the Bremen Museum to create new ballets. So it was just working smarter and more focused and in a different way. And how awesome of the two of you to be a, a team to say, hey, we're going to do this, we're going to figure out this transition and we're going to figure it out together. Like you said, it's that resilience, it's that fortitude that's always, you know, finding a way. And that's something, as you said, that was, has been ingrained in us, you know, from generation to generation, you know, we know how to stay strong. We know how to persevere. <laughs> we know how to figure it out, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and make a way, you know. So I, I love that you shared that, um, especially with your husband being your partner and co-founder of Ethnic. Um, as you said, you know, when you moved to Atlanta, the two of you, you know, was, was just dating at the time. Um, tell us a little bit more about your story um, between the two of you. Like, how did, how did this become about with, you know, the two of you dating and then this, as you said, idea, you know, this company was dropped into your lap, as you say. Um, how did that impact, you know, your dating and then your transition to being married and then working Ooh. as a, <laughs> and then working, you know, side by side, 32 years as husband and wife to build, <laughs> to it's, build. It's, it's big work. And I think part of it is that we're both pretty mission dri driven and determined so I always say he followed me to Atlanta, but he did follow me to assist me in my move. And then once he saw the Atlanta Ballet, then they asked him to audition and we were both hired. So I think the best part I can say is that we share the same values. So early on, you know, we looked, I was looking for a partner that really was courageous, fearless, that loved people, that wanted to make an impact. So we saw that early on. We started working together. We had the same interest in dance. We both figured out that we could use, utilize our dance talents to help enhance communities. We both auditioned for a musical right before we started Battle Ethnic called Heartstrings. And it was a road, a bus and truck tour that raised money to help fund AIDS uh, research. So when we were on the road, we saw that how our talent could help children that were suffering with AIDS and adults. Mm -hmm. So we saw that dance could be a solution to social ills. 
So what was important is that we could take something, the very best of what God gave us to help others. So when we came back and we started Ethnic, we had that in common. We wanted to make a change in communities with our humanity to use everything we had to influence, to impact, to touch others, to touch young boys and girls. And what we found out is that we were touching not just the boys and girls, but the mamas and the daddies and the families. Because when we ran into mothers, there were a lot of single mothers that wanted a place for their children to go. And Waverly, a big athletic role model, boys were just coming to our program and it ended up being a place for young men. And people are like, y'all have so many boys. How is that possible? But it was because of that family atmosphere. And then fathers came along and we just built a whole community in a community where we were not a part of. We we're transplants. So throughout the years, I think those values just showed that we were honest we were straightforward. We never told people lies or what they thought they wanted to hear. We always spoke the truth, our truth, and try to work with integrity. So working together as a couple, it just made sense. And then we have different skills. He's super duper creative in one aspect. I'm creative, but I'm also sort of nuts and bolts. So we complement each other with our tools. We know how to work super close together, and we also know when we need space. (laughs) And we sort of set up ground rules because we live and dance all day long at work. So we tried when we would come home from work to let that part rest, which is very difficult. So we had to create all of those kind of like our own game plan. And then our children were all the children that we helped co-parent throughout time. So It's just really been a a journey of love and respect and honoring, you know, what we both have been given. Yes. And as the saying goes, you know, what you are is God's gift to you. And what you make of yourself is your gift to God. And the two of you have definitely done that. And I wanted you to share that story of, you know, your journey in marriage and building Um, and serving your community because as you said you know the two of you have been together a very long time your company is 32 years you know and plus and going and now you have this new milestone you know of going to the prestigious Kennedy Center and a lot of married couples they don't you know especially in this day and age the younger ones they don't see the long road yeah it's only the short road. Uh, my husband and I have been married for 20 years in county. And I have to admit, I was one of the, <laughs> we, we were kind of one of those at the beginning, you know, where we only, we was just, you know, hit the ground running. But there's that long road, as you said, that, that um, destiny that is set for you and, and something, a work that's set for the two of you to do as a couple and work to do individually while being married too and doing you know having that separate having that separate journey of being husband and wife so um that's why i want you to share that thank you so much because i know that's gonna that's gonna encourage i know that's gonna encourage a lot of married couples um in our audience as well too and we're Uh, very different because people would try to just kind of sometimes people would 
call us the Nina Waverly's and I would always say I'm Nina and he's Waverly and we're <laughs> two different people right and we're very very different like I'm like your social person and I try to gather everybody and figure mm-hmm. out and work out people's problems and that's not what he does so mm-hmm. people figure that out in the business they figured out who to go to it's kind of like mom and daddy don't yeah. go to her for that and don't go to him for that And we had to figure it out because that's how you stay married. You better figure out your place. (laughs) Yeah. And choose your battles. (laughs) Oh, you said, you said a whole word with that because every battle is not worth fighting. And sometimes, you know, for me, I have to tell myself, nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he has to deal with me just like I have to deal with him. We all have our quirks and our idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. And you just have to work through it. And like you said, it's the long haul. And at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I think you have to just remember what's important in a life. And I think, again, COVID helped us to see that. We dealt with people transitioning, going to their higher place. So when you see that repeatedly, you start to Mm -hmm. see, really, what is important in life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you leave, and we've seen that time and time again, as people have left us, When you leave, what do you leave behind and what do people say about you? So you're writing your obituary as you live every day, right? That is absolutely true. And especially if you're working together, you know, your partners in in a company and your partners in a business and your, you know, partners in serving your community and trying to, you know, have that grow and expand and, and do what you feel that, you know, has been put on you to do. As you say this a lot, so definitely choosing your battles in all of that on a professional level and on a personal level (laughs) Um, as husband and wife, it is work, but it is so worth it. And the two of you are a shining example of that. Uh, Back to the performance that's coming. What can um, the audience expect to see? Can you give us a little, a little glimpse, a little sneak peek as to yes, uh, what can. the audience can expect to see at the Kennedy Center performance? Yeah, so we always have created culturally relevant stories and stories that are interesting for us to perform and to provide information. So on the first program, we're going to showcase our ballet called Sanctity. And Sanctity is a ballet. It's a spiritual ballet. And it's a ballet in which all the dancers, there's 10 dancers, that they bring something of importance and they lay it on the altar. Oh, and wow. that what they lay on the altar is what is significant to them, some relic or something that represents something about themselves that's treasured, that's important. And then there's a circle that is danced and the circle is danced to express that we are all part of a circle of community Mm -hmm. and sanctity is danced to live original music. Waverly choreographed it and I assisted him live music and it's played by L. Gerard Reed who composed the music. So it's drumming, a stand-up bass. And so you have the classical and the percussive elements and you have a mixture of classical dance, but also African and other inspired dance throughout. And it really is a ballet that has a lot of meaning where we try to pull what's inside of the dancers and express those feelings of belonging 
to the audience and share that with the audience. And all the personal statements tell something about the dancers and their journey. Like some of the statements have included um, one of the dancers who was adopted. And so her statement was, she was born of a woman, never known, but she found a family, a house and a home. So I'm like, yeah. So we all have written something that's dear to us and we share that intimate statement. So that's sanctity. And then the other program, we're performing an excerpt from The Leopard Tale and it's our signature ballet. We just performed it in April at the Alliance Theater. So it's our African-American production and we're gonna share act one. It's about the leopard and the animals that the leopard deals with in his domain. So in act one, we're going to see the leopard and the leopardess, as well as when he runs into a a batch of poisonous snakes. And when the snakes bite him, what happens? Mm -hmm. So we're going to see those two dances. And Waverly choreographed that one also. And L. Gerard Reed also created original music. So we're bringing our original storytelling from... um, People say ATL, but we're really one of those people that reside outside of Atlanta <laughs> in East Point. Yeah. That sounds so exciting. It sounds like it's just going to be amazing. And I, I wish my family and I could attend, but schedules got in the way. So um, hope, I don't know. Hopefully we can we can get to see you all. If not at the Kennedy Center, then, you know, make a journey down to Georgia and catch one of your shows there, hopefully sometime in the future. Um, speaking of future, tell us what do you see for the future of Ethnic, as well as the future for Black dance companies and um, other dance companies of color. Do you see um, change? Do you see things staying the same? What, what, have, what do you see for the future? I see subtle change. And for me, the change really, if people, like as we integrate, it's like during the civil rights era, you want to go where people want you. I've never wanted to go somewhere where people only tolerated my existence and pretended. So I think as we're having this revolution, I think black dancers have to be careful where they put their time and energies and not be used Mm. to be a quota. So that's important. And I always talk about this and people sometimes don't appreciate it, but I really don't care. I think you need to be in the right place for you and it doesn't matter. And I don't think you need another race to validate who you are. God validates you. I've never needed somebody to say that I'm important. So that comes from inside. My parents did a good job of that, right? So I think the future for Ethnic is setting our legacy forward, um, empowering the next generation. So we're already working with the next generation of leadership, including one of my students who started with us at five years old. She's one of the leads at the Kennedy Ooh, Center performance. Setting things in place for the next generation, for the next future, helping to guide them while we're still active and vibrant. And then our dance sector, I think we just have to be mindful about how we use our resources because we do have more than sometimes we even know. Yes, absolutely. Um, And speaking of the next generation, what words of advice 
would you like to give to the next generation um, that will watch this interview, listen to this interview, listen to our conversation? What words of advice would you like to give to the younger generation in this day and age? I would like to say, be true to yourself, which is, it sounds very simplistic, but life and your successes is not what other people think. It's what gives you peace ultimately. And if you're living your best life, living your dream, doing it with honor, with integrity, then you are a success. I love that. That's perfect. I always tell my children, live with integrity. Yes above everything else. So yes. I love that. Um, and I just want to remind everyone, um, in fact, before I remind everyone to check you all out, if they're in the DC area, tell us where people can purchase tickets and where people can um, catch you guys online. Okay, so you can look at our website, ballethnic.org. Again, ballethnic.org, and that's ballet and ethnic. And then KennedyCenter.org are where the tickets are available. And they are on sale and moving right along. We're there June 14th through the 19th. And we're getting ready as we speak. So Just so exciting. I, I may still try to come now. <laughs> come on. My, my, my husband can't make it. but I, And my daughter, my college daughter can't make it. But I may still try to come myself because I well, have to see this. <laughs> Okay, keep us posted. Um, definitely, um, everyone, if you're in the D.C. area in June or just take a family trip in June to go to D.C. to the prestigious Kennedy Center to check out Bell Ethnic, you will not regret it. Go to BellEthnic.com. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing experience. And you can also purchase your tickets at KennedyCenter.com. And I want to correct myself. It's, it's actually, I was going to say it's BellEthnic.org. O-R-G, that you can check them out online and go to kennedycenter.com to purchase your tickets. .org. .org. <laughs> to oh, purchase yes. your tickets. So kennedycenter.org, ballethnic.org. To purchase tickets, check out this phenomenal show. It's going to be amazing the few days that you're going to be there. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you for all that you are doing. And I'm sure that there's going to be many more opportunities to come for Bell Ethnic all around the world. It's only going to go up from here. Thank you for all you've done so far and continue to do. We appreciate you. Thank you. Keep up your good work and many blessings to you.